right now needing a victory in the worst way. Promising attack here. Durkin slides it to Fuerte scores! Over the years, Boone's just looking to add his name to the list. Here's Estrada bullying his way all in. It's 2-0. Got one of the great crossers of the ball in the league in Gressel, and then one of its great players, period, in Kuntas. It'll be Kuntas' his shot! Oh, what a goal! It's a hat-trick for Taxi Kuntas! In spectacular! Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show. Before we get into anything, anything Orlando City Pride or OCB related, we would like to remind you that we have been nominated by Orlando Weekly for the best local podcast not on radio, be sure to head to vote.orlandoweekly.com and you will be able to vote for the Orlando Soccer Show. Much like Chance the Rapper, we're the Orlando Soccer Show on there. Uh, fun little segue into what we're going to be talking about here today. Anyways, I'm Austin David. Uh, joining me today, since they left me hung out to dry last week, it's Kyle Foley and Gavin Eubank. How you doing, guys? I mean, did we did we really leave no, you out to dry? No, no. I just I just said, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna go myself. Yeah, I don't mind talking that's... all the time. This this is true. This is true. Anyways, Gavin, how are you doing today? Oh, just just wonderful. You know, I am so excited to to get to talk about all this stuff because so many amazing things have been happening. I mean, you guys know what the tagline of this show is, right? I mean, I know Kyle knows it, but Austin, you know what the tagline of this show is, right? I do not. What is the tagline of this show? Is to, well, to say something positive. Uh. And let me tell you, I have nothing positive to say on today's episode about <laughs> any of the topics that we get to. I So it's going to be a doozy. Goodness. All right. I have a positive thing to say, and it's that I am positive that the soccer I have watched over the last three or four days has been the worst soccer I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> well, we're so start, well, that's how we're that's starting. That's fair. All I right. mean, Orlando City, negative. Orlando Pride, negative. Uh, um, uh, America, pretty negative. Um, OCB, all negative. Um, all we negative. We watched Attack of the Clones this weekend, negative. Um, Actually, Attack so, of the Clones might have been the highlight. If I'm being honest. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I it wasn't a bad negative. It was just like, you know, no one likes it, so it's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. But jeez, guys, you, I mean you I really, enjoyed watching you just, it. But. You, you gotta you gotta have a different mindset to life. Do we? We live in a society, Austin. We, I don't know we if you're definitely aware of this. live in a society. I can tell you I can tell you that <laughs> yeah. right now. I I promise you, I'm doing my best to find the positives in life. However, they are few and far between these days. Yeah, well, hey, why don't we just rip off the Band-Aid and talk about Orlando City? We'll go into Pride and OCB I'd love and then to. get into our usual yeah. stuff after that. But yeah, um, I am I'm, I'm at a loss for words as to what happened in the DC United game. Um, Kyle, uh, do you remember what we said when we were talking about the FC Cincinnati game before? Cincinnati happened. What what did we say about that game? I mean, I predicted an Inspector Brad special. No, no, not the away game. The first one. The first oh, one. The first one. Oh, that when, we were when, so... when Cincinnati was bad, <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> that Orlando was such a clearly dominant team and should win that game, and then that didn't happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, same vibes. 
same vibes for this one. Yeah, I will say I do feel like quite a dumbass for before the game at kickoff. If you go back and look at my Twitter feed, I did write last place team, one win since Easter, since April. Orlando to say that Orlando should win this one would be a massive understatement. Yeah, but I, I respect five you. Five minutes later, I was I, I, wrong. I respect you for not deleting. Being a no, being a you know, being a real man, you just gotta wear the L's. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of wearing L's, uh, unfortunately, Kyle Smith wore a couple L's in the first uh, ten minutes of the game. Yikes! Um, the the back line. <sighs> yeah, we should mention. So Orlando comes out playing a three-five-two, something new. Perez, uh, no, no, no. Oscar this is, Pereira, this is uh, hold, it up. hold on, hold on. That was not new. They were they were playing their four back. It's just that Juan plays very high up the field. Mm. I don't know if you have been watching. They had four defenders on the field, but they were definitely playing a th- in with a three back. Yes, but if you've been watching Orlando lately, when they are in possession, Juan plays as a basically a right mid. Like they, he's been doing that yeah, yeah. for a lot of time. Didn't Oscar say that he was trying something new though? Did he? Yeah, I mean that was the whole thing coming into the game. Is that there this this whole lineup was. I mean, obviously not the players. Yeah, there, there the, was the there way was, that they were going about it. I mean, the the biggest thing like that I noticed was the. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it was more of a three four three, if if anything. Yeah, because so yeah, it was Kyle Smith, um, Jansen in the middle, and he was driving the ball up the middle a lot, and basically they were pushing. You know, like you said, Huan was playing as pretty much your right winger, and he was far up the field the whole time. I wouldn't say that he was playing right back at all. No. Um, like, they were basically treating him as the catalyst on that right side. Like, if you go and look at the passing but that's, network, that's, that's a usual they almost thing. exclusively played to to Huan in this one. Right. Um, with the occasional, like I said, Jansen running up the middle. But it, and even then, like... Orlando didn't do much up the middle, just like they couldn't get much going. Well, also the left side, the there was either. there was literally nothing yeah. going on. In the left there was side. almost nothing. Yeah, Jake Jake Mole uh, Jake Mulraney. Jake Mulraney. Let's see, he started. He was playing more of a, had, as a uh, midfielder than a and a winger. Like he was tucking inside yeah, more than going outside. He, he had. Let me see. It very compared to who on a very low amount of touches and passes. Um, he was almost non-existent out there as far as the position that he was, you know, lined up on paper to be playing. Like, right. 13 passes compared to who wants 45. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 13. And he yeah. was playing as your right midfielder, your left midfielder. Yeah. Uh, put it to you this way. Robin Jansen led the team in passes because he was passing around the back. 27. Yeah, 27 touches for Mulraney. Yeah. And that was by, f- other than not counting Galese and Erkin Kara, the, actually he was tied with Kara for the amount of touches for starters. Uh, not good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Him and, well, Urchon kind of relies on other people to get the ball to him. And that wasn't really happening a lot. Well, that's what I'm saying is like, you expect that your, your striker is going to have 20, 20, you know, 20 to 30 touches max. Um, right. And he is out here with as many as one of your midfielders. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they, they, I mean, the the defense was just very spaced out. Otherwise, like the the thing is, Juan was on the right hand side, higher up the field, right? They weren't attacking that right hand side very often. They were going after Kyle Smith pretty often, and um, well, that's that's how their their first couple goals were scored. Taxi Fantas uh, is just kind of. You know, 
chilling in the first goal. He was literally completely unmarked in the box. And um, that was five minutes in. So great, great start. Um, Smith got burned on the on the play to, to begin the, the attack. And then Chris Durkin had the ball to Fountas. But at that point, Smith was way behind the play. Um, Mendez was trying to help track back. Mulraney was was well behind the play. And, um, you know, they, they had a, a runner in the middle with Fountas and they had a runner on the right with Kamara. So Rodrigo Schlegel had an option, either stay and mark Kamara or step up to mark Taxi. And um, he chose wrong. Uh, put it that way. You know, he, he tried to just stay back with Ola Kamara to, to wait and see if that ball would be laid back. And then it was just it was completely wide open for Taxi. And that's five minutes in. So, you know, bad start. Then the second goal, just a ball over top. And um, Kyle Smith, again, kind of behind the play on that. Um, I think it was, who was it that had that ball? Michael Estrada. So the ball was over top to to Estrada. And um, he basically just rounded Kyle into the box. And Kyle kind of olay defense him by Robin was playing the cutback you know he was he was waiting for that ball Pedro was waiting near post for it the cutback comes and Schlegel is on taxi he's he's marking him right in front and he puts his leg up Pedro is guarding his near post and taxi kind of just fits it in between the gap between Pedro and Rodrigo and scores and it's two nothing within eight minutes. I would like to remind you that Taxi Fantas played with Urchan Kara at Rapid Vienna, and they both came to MLS around the same time. That's that's rough. Yeah. So, anyways, it was two nothing at halftime because Orlando was pretty anemic, doing anything in general throughout that first half. Put it to you this way: they had an expected goals of 0.55 at halftime. And DC, who had scored two goals, had an expected goals of 0.72. Right? Possession, Orlando, 73% at half. Couldn't do anything. They had three shots on target. But nothing nothing too, too ter- terrible, dangerous, whatever. So, what does Orlando do? They make some big substitutions. Halftime comes around. And they bring in Cesar Araujo and Facundo Torres. Moreni and Mendez are off. Changes the game a bit. It did because Mendez was one of the more act. He's one of the most active players, like he normally is. But he was also just very sloppy. Yeah. Um, in the midfield, so I wasn't normally. I would be surprised to see Oscar taking off him, being that he is kind of one of the catalysts of the attack. But he was also taking away so much from what they were able to do that it, it made sense in this in this instance. Right. Okay. So those two that come in, you, you know, it's like okay, now you're starting to get a little bit more. Uh, but then Orlando concedes a free kick in the 50th minute. Um, Rodrigo Schlegel gets a yellow card for for a foul, and he gives away a free kick about eh, 23 yards out. 
So they set up three players in front. Julian Gressel, who was it? It was Estrada and Fountas, right? Four men while in front. Pedro's got him right where he wants him. Whistle goes, and Gressel just kind of taps it and rolls it forward. The entire wall breaks apart to try and chase down the shot, but it opens up the space for Fountas to basically just shoot from there. It wasn't the greatest of shots, but it got through the wall. Pedro goes down, he guesses right, and it goes right over his hand and in. Just just a bit of an awkward bounce, and uh, Pedro didn't have a strong enough hand to keep it out. It's 3-0. At this point, you're like, it's over. Because Orlando, if you haven't heard, they haven't scored three goals in a game this year. So naturally, you're saying, well, there's, there's no way back. What do you do? Well, um... What do they do? <laughs> they go ahead and, and score a goal seven minutes later. Facundo Torres, um, plenty unmarked. Top of the box. Uh, Mauricio Pereira just pulls a couple defenders away. Torres is standing at the top of the box, and he just shoots and scores. Um, Might have been one of his easiest goals in MLS, if I'm being completely honest. And, um, you know, Romo, their, their goalkeeper, he, he didn't move. He was rooted to the spot. And Orlando broke the scoring drought so they're on the board at that point it starts looking a little bit better offense kind of going a little bit better yeah or they made a bunch of substitutions did uh dc basically right after the goal they took off taxi their most dangerous offensive player and uh they brought in nigel robertha they also brought on brad smith for uh gadiri one of their youngsters and so things change a little bit. You know, Orlando starts getting a little bit better, a little bit more opportunities, and eventually 63rd, 64th minute, they get a corner. Well, Facundo Torres goes up and takes it because uh, Mauricio Pereira's service hadn't been all that great during the day. He puts it on a platter for Urchon Kara, and he heads it in. All of a sudden, it's a one-goal game. And there's still plenty of time. So you're thinking... Well, this is kind of wild, but they've scored two goals in the past nine minutes. Anything can happen at this point. And then, you know, Orlando kind of gets in their own way again. 73rd minute, uh, Kamarni Smith, who had been on maybe a couple seconds, you know, he, he basically just, just uh, he made a run through the defense. And... Um, the, the marking was poor. A run and no one... And yeah, the, the marking is just awful. Well, Huan, Schlegel tries so, to step up to the pass. Right. And then Huan just doesn't also... He just lets him run right in front of him. Yes. And and, and, and the thing complete is... Complete breakdown. Yeah. So, Robin Johnson was higher up the field. Um, Schlegel was marking him, but Huan kept him on side. So, by the time the pass is played, Huan, who's just standing there, doesn't even pick up the run... Um, you know, he's he's in. So Juan's watching the ball instead of watching the man. He gets burned. By the time the ball is through, uh, Smith is is trying to track back. He gets there just a half second too late. And, hey, credit to Kamarni Smith. He took it from outside the box, and he put it past Galese, who didn't close down the angle enough to, to keep it out. So then it's 4-2. And then you're thinking, okay, now it's over. There's no way Orlando City can come back from that. And then 
a couple minutes later, Orlando gets a penalty. And at first, it's Alan Chapman. You're thinking, oh boy, here we go again. He goes to VAR. It takes about five seconds. And then he's like, yeah, it's a penalty. And you're like, oh, okay. Alexander Pato steps up. Pato, who hadn't been great the whole game, steps up, smashes it. It's 4-3. You're like, what the heck is going on in this game? This is just like the the it, this game is drunk, just like most fans on July fourth. And heck, Orlando made a game of it. They 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 came back. They they pushed forward. They had what six minutes of stoppage time at the end of it, uh, and then throughout stoppage time, uh, ball goes out of play. Mauricio Pereira tries to jump for it, pulls his hamstring, has to come out. So that takes about a minute. You know, you're without your your catalyst offensively, and uh, they have to bring in Jack Lynn, who we'll get to when we talk to OCB. And then, you know, DC wastes some time. They they take it to the corner. You know, just keep knocking it off of Orlando players, wasting some more time. And then, God, I really don't know how this happened, but Cesar Araujo just straight up passes it to Nigel Roberta. You know, he was trying to clear it downfield. I guess it didn't. Roberta is standing on at the top of the box and the ball goes straight to him he takes a, a quick touch and then he kind of shoots across his body fires it into the corner and Pedro just he, he couldn't get there uh he was playing the he was playing the left post and he shot it to the right and that was it game was over 5-3 the last time that Orlando conceded five goals in a game was when they lost to NYCFC around this time last year. Hmm. And now that was a 5 nothing game. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't, uh, you know, where do you begin with this? I, I mean, for starters, it's their fifth loss at home this year. And that is tied for the most in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, And the, I don't know what you do about that because this is supposed to be your fortress. This is supposed to be the one place that you can almost count on taking points away from every night, or you should at least be able to count on taking points away from every night. And in a league like Major League Soccer, where going on the road is difficult, it's not easy to go travel to you know all of these places and, and get points. So you have to maximize them at home. And for whatever reason. This team just can't. I mean, and they came out and I don't know if you blame the, you know, the playing on midweek in the Open Cup, 120 minutes, you know, penalty shootout or, you know, their, you know, the the different style, the different things that they might have been trying to do tonight. And they came out and they just look so discombobulated. They look so basically not up to it. Like DC is the worst team in the league. Last place, 28 of 28. They've got one win since late August or late April, and they came in here and they just dominated. Not not even they didn't dominate the game statistically, but they dominated Orlando in the moments that mattered. Mm-hmm. And you can't let that happen. You can't let a team like this come to your your home turf and and take take advantage of you like that. And I don't know. I mean, I didn't see I didn't see many positives from this one. You know. Pereira had five key passes before he went down late in the game. You know, 
I don't know. There wasn't a whole lot. The defense wasn't great. I mean, Robin Jansen was, you could say he was successful in the role that he was playing offensively, pushing up the middle and kind of throwing a lot of long balls up there. Um, He had 14 of 16 accurate on long ball passes. So, I mean, that's pretty good. 90% from your center back for 73 passes, you know, but, uh, I don't know. You're gonna play if you're gonna play a game like this too, where you're pushing up through the wing, through your wing back. Why is who on that guy? <laughs> because he's he's not. You know, mm-hmm. he's not the guy that you can count on for that. And they they don't have the players to make the system work. I mean, you would think they could, but yeah. And I think that's really the, the big thing right now is like what what needs. And I think too because. Uh, if you're using a formation like this too, you're you're pushing up, but you're also trying to use it to overload the midfield and control the midfield. And Orlando didn't do that either. Like you said, you know, they were sloppy. They were turning the ball over constantly, especially in that first half. I mean, you and I were keeping an eye on Mike Romaho tracking the turnover counts. He stopped at halftime because I don't know what he was doing in the second half, but it was up to 12 by halftime and many more in the second half after that. This was just not a good game from Orlando top to bottom. Yeah. And um, after the game, you know, I asked Oscar what what do you do like what 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 what's going on here and um we'll put it this way uh the the first half was bad right and i asked him about that i said you know i feel like every time i come in here i ask about the first half and what happened in the first half like why does this team start so poorly every time and uh it's just they don't know haven't been able to figure it out yeah, Oscar basically said it's my fault. You know, I have to take responsibility for this game uh, based on what, you know, what I did. I'm not preparing the players well enough or I'm not doing this, that, the other. Um, you know, but it's it's kind of back to the drawing board. Like, yes, they tried something new, but it had the same principles as everything old. Kind of like what you said with, with Juan. And it didn't work they're granted they're missing a lot of pieces mm-hmm. Mikey Holiday I think you know with his experience with the U20s starting almost every game I think he's going to get some more run I think he's going to get some more run at right back coming up uh over the next couple weeks you know he'll be back in training this they week. had um they had Ricardo Moreira on the on the broadcast yeah he was time. he was talking yeah, about it yeah. and he was talking about yeah he was talking about Mikey being a a talented player and someone that they hope can be, be impactful for them down the road. Yeah. And I think that, you know, he's gotten playing time now with the U twenties. I think he's gotten to play against good competition. And the biggest thing for Mikey was getting just minutes anywhere. Uh, now he is going to probably end up playing some, some more minutes, especially in this month when they have like seven more games left. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is the first of eight games this month. That I mean, granted, the Arsenal game, you probably won't see starters. Like you have no obligation to really do much in that. Right. But you also don't yeah, want to lose like five nothing. Right, and you know, in Orlando, in the summer, already struggle historically every year. The summer yeah. months are not easy for this club. Right, and now you've got all of these games about to be piled in, and it's and the depth, like you said, they're they're missing players, and we don't know what the timetable is going to be on Pereira right now at the moment, and it's not looking good for 
being able to just keep up like they're gonna they're gonna have a lot of punches thrown at them this month and the question right now is can they keep up with them and that's kind of doubtful like it's it's up in the air mm-hmm. by the way who 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 scored has who won with 11 crosses in this game mm-hmm. zero accurate crosses yeah he, he i mean he has those games where he just can't do anything <laughs> crossing wise <laughs> Yeah, which unfortunately should not be the one game where he's the focal point of your offense. Right. Right. That that's the mm-hmm. the big thing right now is like if you're having this very speedy player down the wing crossing in what like you you have to have him put better balls into the box. And like mm-hmm. if Huan or, or- could cross the ball he would probably be not an MLS, right? Uh, it, it's also not entirely that, although that is a big part of it. Either be a, a ridiculously proficient crosser or be able to get back and play defense. Yeah. I think yeah, that's the bigger issue. And I don't think it's so much that his crosses aren't great. They're, they're decent. and They're not great. Absolutely could be better. But for MLS, they're decent. It's mm-hmm. just that his ability to, once he gets forward, I, I think it's been... Really, anybody would argue, including including people who, uh, you know, may or may not have history with the show and telling us that we're way too critical on him. But like, everybody agrees that Juan going up into the attack has been impressive. Like that's that's his stronger suit. I think the reason we all specifically have been so critical of him is because he just can't get back and defend. Like he's a complete liability on defense, and it got to the point this season where the attacking contributions aren't there enough to cancel out the lack of defense, right? It's basically our Russell Westbrook, except he's breaking all of his shots. <laughs> so he's Russell Westbrook. Yeah. I use, I use a little basketball for you. Cause I know on how much you love basketball, Austin. And I, I love appreciate analogies, that. but, but no, but like, if, I mean, if he were, if, if these, if his crosses were, were getting met, you know, by, by the forwards and, and going in the, the net, I think we we would be in a you know saying things completely different on so many different levels, but it's because the crosses have been mediocre or at least haven't ended in a positive result. Whether that's his fault or not can depend, you know, varying on the game. But the ability to get back on defense and actually play defense, which I think was the biggest struggle in this game against DC, like that's where he's he's lacking and that's where it's hurting the most. I left you speechless. Yeah. I, I mean, I Damn really it. have nothing else to say about this game. It, it, you, you move on. You've got Miami next weekend, which... I Yeah, I would love... Listen, if we see more of the Orlando attack that we saw on Monday, I would be happy. We just also need to see defense go with it. Because I think, I think at least four of those goals, maybe even all five, were easily stopped. So I think, I think if, you know... But I think that's the first time we've seen, like you mentioned, Orlando doesn't score three goals. It just doesn't happen ever. So we can see more of that. I think. I think there is. I, I there is a little bit of a good takeaway there. But defensively, giving up five goals to the team that they gave them up to, and in the way that they gave them up, was just just awful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if there's a consolation, it's that coming up, you've got these next several games they're all against teams that are below you Miami Atlanta's well below you Colorado's well below you 
Um, you've got Philadelphia at near the end of the month. That was also at home, however, and Philadelphia is fourth in the second in the East right now. So, I mean, you got some opportunities to get the points that you need to gain the confidence that you need here. Um, just, just going to be tough moving forward like this. They need to make some moves. I don't know what they've got going on, but they need they need a lot at a lot of different spots. Though that's the problem. I think I think defensive depth, strong defensive depth, is or should be the first priority. I know obviously you want to be scoring goals and you want to be able to contribute that way, but Orlando have spent the money on goal scorers. They just haven't necessarily panned out, and I think or haven't gotten there yet because I think with with. Facundo and with Urchan, like both of those are new players. So I, I, it's still, I'm still okay with them not contributing a ton. Although isn't Urchan like one of like, he's up there towards the top of the, the scoring list. I mean, he's not been abysmal. Um, But I think again, I think if you want to, it's, it's the old, you know, sports stereotype of defense wins championships, but it's also like, I mean, you look at the way that, that, that can apply to this Orlando city team. Like if Orlando city, can can be strong at the back then things up top become a little easier because those guys aren't having to especially the attacking midfield players aren't having to stress about defensive duties as much because they know that they're being covered from behind like i wonder how much of like you saw there was the miscommunication between pato and uh benji i believe it was close to the end of that game where they were just kind of sitting on the outside of the box, both players kind of being really hesitant, waiting to see what the other guy was going to do instead of feeling really comfortable in their game. And I think some of that stems from, and I would say a good chunk of that stems from, they know if they mess up, things behind them are not strong enough to make up for it. So you have to, you get almost that that overly cautious feel, which makes the team weaker. Yeah, and I got some... uh... Speaking of the back line, there is a report courtesy of Zach Lowry, who I believe writes for Talk Sport and Beyond the Pitch. He says that Jamutinho has in talks with Toulouse from France. Uh, he's also gotten uh, offers from two teams or three teams in Portugal as well as Venezia. Uh, he reports that Orlando City made an offer to renew his contract, but with an unacceptably low wage. And um, considering his his injury history, could be understandable. Is, is Zhao injured at the moment? No, he's yes, not, right? Because he, he played is. on Wednesday. He did not play on Wednesday. Oh. I thought he played on Wednesday. No, he got hurt before the game in Cincinnati, and has not played since. Right, 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 right. Yeah. He was at one yeah, point I mean, the leader um... in in minutes for this Orlando City team. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another position that Orlando City has to figure out: left back, right back. I don't know. If Antonio yeah, I mean, Carlos plays, you're good at center back, backs. I guess. I'd say, like, I would say center back is is the strongest in that there is, at a minimum, there are two win healthy, strong, top notch starters. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a, as much depth there. I think Rodrigo Schlegel, as much as there needs to be a statue built to him in front of the stadium, <laughs> it's not maybe. It's, it's not, not, not really for his defensive work. Although, I guess maybe you could argue his goalkeeping. His defensive work, but I think I think as a center back, not as strong, especially as the other two, but a decent third option. And I think the rest is really the rest of the 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 options. I mean, you have guys like Kyle Smith, but I think 
the bulk of the options there are coming from looking at youth, which so I think over time it'll be fine. But there's still there's two strong starters there when healthy, so I think you're fine. I think it's it's uh, on the wings in the back, both right back and left back. Even when healthy, not very strong. So I I'd say it'd be nice to see both of those upgraded. And I think that makes a big difference. And I think also having with the way soccer is played nowadays and has been for the last like you know 10 years you have to have um you have to have fullbacks who can get up and and be involved in the attack but then can also recover and play a part defensively like the best the best right and left backs in the world right now are ones who are really really helpful in the attack but also really strong at getting back and not being a liability on defense and i think that's what Orlando's struggle is right now. Look at this last game. Had a lot of opportunities, had a lot of shots on goal. Looked really threatening in the attack, but the ability to get back and defend, you get all these really cruddy goals allowed because nobody's able, you know. Like, I, when you leave only two center backs and a goalkeeper against a counterattack, like, the chances of stopping those are, are significantly lower. So I think that's where the upgrades need to need to be way before anything is, is on the wings uh, of the back end. Uh- I mean, I would say that if Mauricio's not here next year, that's that's a like must need position to to fill. Just all things considered, the entire offense runs through him, and when he's not on the field, they look bad. Um, yes, I'll speaking, give you that. Well, well, speaking of him, what the segue? Yeah, yeah. So I was out at training this morning. And all of a sudden, out comes Mauricio Pereira. Uh, Everybody thought, including myself, uh, that he had pulled his hamstring. In fact, he was cramping at the end of the game. So good news on that front. Um, He seems to be good to go. He was training full. So not a a massive worry there. But it does kind of beg the question, what does Orlando do if they don't have Mauricio Pereira? If he does actually get hurt. Um, so it's, it's definitely good news on the injury front, uh, for Mauricio. Um, still without Zhao. Speaking of summertime sadness. Quite summertime sadness. What'd you do on Sunday? Yeah. uh, I had a great time in Daytona, actually. Yeah. You watch any, watch any soccer? I did. That was actually a better game than I was expecting. It was a better, yeah, I will give you that. It was better than expected and better than the city game. Yeah. Actually, yeah, uh, well, better quality soccer, I should say. The The City game was absurdly entertaining. Yeah, yeah, eight goals. It was entertaining. It just wasn't good. <laughs> uh, the Pride got a result for the first time since um, that weird comeback draw against Washington. This was also a comeback draw. They were down 2 nothing, and they scored two to tie the game. So uh, in their last couple games where they got points, they had to come back from down 2 nothing and score two goals um the washington game was a bit different because they did it in the 95th and 98th minutes this one uh they did that before stoppage time and they actually looked like they probably could have won the game at some points and so credit to the orlando pride for for stepping up in a big way but it was a it was all about the event you know the the daytona soccer fest um rain kind of dampened the mood quite a bit um probably lessened a lot of the um attendance i would say you know there, there were uh, some events that were even canceled because of lightning in the area because they couldn't fit it into the schedule and um 
you know, when, when you take a look at the event as a whole, it wasn't bad. Uh, you know, it was entertaining. The The Legends game was really cool to, to be able to talk to guys uh, like Patrick Clivert or um, oh, who else was out there that I can't remember. Uh, Juan Sebastian Verón, uh, Javier Zanetti, uh, David Trezeguet. You know, the, these are guys that played at the highest levels and played in uh, various, you know, clubs and countries, Manchester United, Barcelona, France, you know, Argentina, etc. Um, that was really cool. And uh, just to kind of see those guys, uh, a lot of them you may know if you play FIFA enough. You know, the, these are guys that uh, are, you know, very, very uh, legendary. But the rest of the event was decent. You know, Chance the Rapper, good concert, you know, played for a couple thousand people. Um, I'd say that it looked like there was probably like 3,000, 4,000 people in, in the stands watching him through the rain. So that that was fun, you know, uh, to be able to, to kind of go up to the press box at Daytona see the concert going on and the warmups going on at the same time is like, wow, this is actually like really something unique. And that's what it was. This, this weekend was very unique. And uh, most of the players said it as much. The game, um, Orlando actually was the better team for the most part. Um, you know, they, they let up some lapses defensively, which they, they do that quite a bit. But the... Uh, the thing with the the game was that they um, they came back, you know they they didn't have the expected goals, but they did have uh, Kylie Strom and, and Kylie Strom. I will I will give her credit for that. I nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw her scoring her first professional or her first goal in NWSL on her weaker foot from outside the box. Just didn't see it. Just didn't see it. And, you know, that was in the 59th minute after they were already down 2-0. Uh, Amina Ekic scored that first goal. Second goal, Savannah DeMello, the rookie, uh, scored straight over the wall because the wall didn't jump. And pretty, you know, standard set-piece routine. So the Pride were already down 2 nothing. You kind of thought, like, all right, well, that's that's it. Kylie Strom scores in the 59th. Darian Jenkins scores in the 69th. And all of a sudden, it's 2-2. Um, Orlando had possession advantage. Uh, the big issue was their, uh, passing accuracy. They just did not have accurate passes. Uh, if they did, they probably would have won, but like they had some good runs from players. Uh, you know, Thais Heiss got her first pro start for the pride and uh, it wasn't a bad game. Megan Doherty Howard was probably a very big difference maker for them in the midfield. It it actually looked co- cohesive in the midfield for the first time in a while. Uh, whether that's because they're playing racing Louisville and they kind of just sit back and defend quite a bit, or whether that's the the difference of having Megan Doherty Howard, Erica Timrak, Viviana Viacorta, and Jordan Listro in the midfield, I I don't know. Point of the matter is, it looked better, and. That is all you can ask for right now. Whether this is a turning point for the Pride now is another question. <laughs> because let's let's face it, um, there's still a lot going on with this team. 
Amanda Cromwell is still suspended. There has been no news, no updates in terms of when that's going to change. There's also the fact that they don't have a uh, very good lineup. Not, nothing against the players right now. It's just that um, these are not the, the players that you would expect to start game in, game out every game. And Sidney LaRue's gone too. So whether things change uh, this year is probably a wash, I would say. Uh, start preparing for, for next year. Uh, start signing some some new players. Start kind of seeing what you have in the players that you have now as, you know, uh, kind of depth players or maybe even starters if they play themselves well enough. But it's uh, tough times for the Pride. I will say this one thing, though. They made a signing. They did. 18 years old, Haley Bujaya. Signed throughout uh, for the rest of this year and next year. 18 years old, number three on Goal.com's Next Generation 2022 Best 20 young, uh, Wonder Kids in Women's Football. 15th on the ESPN 21 Best Players 21 and Under. She's already played for Malta, which is her national team. She scored goals. Played in Italy. Scored goals. Guess what the Pride need? Someone to score goals. You know, whether she's a, a veteran player or a, a 18-year-old, if she can put the ball in the back of the net, it doesn't matter how old you are. So I think this will be a very exciting, hopefully, very exciting player for the Pride simply because of her age and her seemingly very high ceiling. On paper, has to be an upgrade from Sydney, right? Like on well, Sydney paper. wasn't even playing as a striker. She was playing as a winger. Oh. But also, Sydney LaRue was the leading goal scorer of the season for the Pride. That's, that's, that was more what I meant in terms of, like, goal production. Not yeah, I, I've seen some videos position. of her, and she looks, she looks uh, you know, light-footed, uh, very quick on the dribble, can score from different various angles, isn't afraid to shoot the ball, which seemingly a lot of Pride players are. She's you know, hits the target most of the time. That's really all you can ask for in a forward, right? Yeah, right. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. So I think it'll be uh be very interesting. When she actually comes into town and when she starts playing, don't know. But it is very weird to see someone who was born in like the mid two thousands playing professional sports. <laughs> like it's just hard for me to wrap my head around. Anyways. Yeah, I would I would imagine that would be tough for you. The, Sucks the getting old, old guys. Yeah. All right. Last thing to wrap up with for Orlando City is OCB. And there's not much to say about that one. Um, They had a, you know, they had that great game against Miami where they won 6 nothing, And then followed that up by losing to Rochester 3-2. to Um. The the nice thing for uh, OCB is that Jack Lynn scored again. You know they were down three nothing by the time he scored, but he did score again, so that was good. Um, he has, I believe, eleven goals in eleven games played for them, which leads the league or at least is close to leading the league. So that's good. 
the bad news is that Adam Grinwis was the one in goal for Rochester or for the Rochester game, and he he did not fare all that well. So um, less than ideal. Also, the back line was Thomas Williams, Brandon Hackenberg, and Alex Freeman. Three of your uh, close enough to being MLS players who allowed three goals. So, Jacqueline scored, and also uh, Nasir Acosta, which is Sebas Mendez's uh, nephew, scored. So, that's that's pretty much it for OCB. Um, they do have uh, another game coming up this weekend. They play on, I believe, Sunday. Uh, they'll be taking on Inter-Miami 2. If I'm correct in saying that. Yep. Uh, that's at OHP. So Friday Pride, Saturday City against Miami. Sunday City B against Miami 2. So that's that. Uh, the other thing about just kind of where they are in the standings, and I know we've talked about this in the past because – you know, it's MLS Next Pro. It doesn't necessarily mean anything if they make the playoffs or not. Uh, but OCB currently with 14 points on the season, and the top four make it into the playoffs. Rochester being fourth, they're at 23 points. So they are nine points behind fourth place. Any thoughts or concerns? Got a lot of concerns. Um, are you referring to OCB, OCB specifically? specifically? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. Right. My thing with OCB goes back to what I mentioned before, which is just that it would be nice to start seeing the fruits of that team existing uh, in mm-hmm. terms of players playing for the the MLS side. But to be fair, this also is we like shouldn't be seeing a different this iteration of OCB. Too. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I would, I like, I want to see those results. It's the only way we can judge if they're doing well. And because they keep restarting, whatever the hell it's supposed to be, like we're never gonna get like. I don't. I mean, they're gonna redo the whole youth team structure in two years anyway. I'm sure, and then we'll have another OCB, and it's like, okay, well, when are we producing players that are gonna play for the first team? A la teams like New York Red Bulls or FC Dallas or even Philadelphia. Imagine being worse at like one of the most important things in the game than Philadelphia. <sighs> All right. Last thing before we get into our weird news, red cards, playing advantage, etc. Uh, I did at the Daytona Soccer Fest have an opportunity to speak with not only the NWSL commissioner, Jessica Berman, but also Orlando Pride president of business operations, Jared Dillon. So within the next you know, 10, 15 minutes of the this show, you'll be hearing from both of them. I'll clip some meaningful clips because some of the questions that were asked weren't necessarily uh, notable for this show specifically, but I will play the ones that are notable for this show. Uh, Jessica Berman talked about the upcoming broadcasting deal for NWSL and how they're kind of reevaluating things about how to actually expand uh, watchability and viewership for NWSL. Uh, Jared Dillon talked a little bit about what's going on with the pride and how the, um, the 
you know, communication between the fans and the front office is incredibly important and how they're still trying to kind of figure that out. And as well as a couple other things just going on with the, the pride in general kind of updates on uh, what's going on with the investigation with Amanda Cromwell, which was not much, uh, but uh, enjoy the next 10, 15 minutes of that. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. You're still fairly new to the league, new to, the, to kind of women's soccer in general. And what, what have you kind of learned from, from this time and, and trying to grow this brand of NWSL uh, since you started up? Yeah, so I'm just over two months into being commissioner and I've had a bunch of key observations and learning. The first is that our fan base is extremely passionate and avid. And it reminds me of my days in the NHL, where in my early days, we were thought of as a niche property and our fans were super avid. And everyone said, how are we going to reach the casual fan and how are we going to reach new fans? And they did events like this to really try to try to identify and expose the game to new audiences. And so excited about leaning into those opportunities. Other observations I have are really just the massive amount of excitement that I've heard from brands, media partners, our teams, our players, our union to really turn the page and unlock the opportunity that exists for the NWSL. In terms of just exposure for the league, you know, this this game is on CBS Sports Network, which is uh, kind of hard to find for, for most people in terms of just their, their cable packages or whatnot. Uh, just in terms of the, the exposure for for the league and the TV contracts. Is that something you're, you're kind of looking into for the future uh, to try and get something a bit more favorable to get more exposure out there? Yeah, well, we are uh, in the second to last year of our media contract with CBS. And so right now this year, we have six games on CBS. We have number of games on CBS SN and the rest on Paramount Plus. And as we look to our next media rights cycle, we're excited to continue to explore what the correct balance is in terms of linear exposure of our game, as well as opportunities to view it digitally. And some of our fans and a lot of the next generation of fans really prefer to have access on digital and on their phones anytime, anywhere. But we also know how important it is to have it be findable by everyone on linear TV, on broadcast television. So figuring out that right balance is something that all sports leagues are really wrestling with right now. And we're about to begin those discussions and the strategic analysis, and we're excited about the opportunities to come. So is it possible to get an opportunity like the men's league to, with Apple? <clears throat> we're going to see what the opportunities are in front of us. Right now, our conversations are with CBS, our incumbent partner, and they've been a great partner, and they've invested a lot of their marketing resources and assets to be able to promote the league, which has really benefited us. They've leaned in to support our players. The connectivity with their support of the U.S. Women's National Team has made a lot of sense for us to be able to lean into the tailwinds that exist as it relates to international women's competition, which we know is so strong here in this country. And so we're excited to have the conversation with CBS and see what we can do. And we'll see where the opportunities are as we move forward. Kind of looking at um, these two teams tonight in Orlando and then Louisville, they're both kind of tethered to the men's teams. They have the, they share resources between the MLS and the USL championship teams. For the standalone teams that are in the league right now, how do you kind of help find that balance and kind of bring that level uh, to where some of these other teams are, where they have that other backing and uh, just kind of level the playing field a little bit more? Yeah, I, I would say uh, two two things that are really relevant. The first is as 
a true believer in diversity. I believe in diversity of perspectives. And I think one of the strengths of the NWSL is that we have a balance of independent teams and what we call shared resource teams. They each approach their business and their operation with very different strategic priorities, with different levels of resources, some of which are helpful, some of which are more challenging in depending on the circumstances. And so for us at the league office, we're really leaning into how do we share best practices and help our independent teams to learn from the shared resource teams and vice versa. The other thing is that as we grow the league office and our internal centralized infrastructure, really to figure out ways that we can more intentionally support the business operations of our teams is a really important priority for us in the next 12 months. Kind of looking ahead just to the next couple of years, I know it's still very early for you, but with the kind of pockets of space of having NWSL teams and not having NWSL teams, are there markets that you're kind of looking into that are that have kind of an opportunity for you guys to, to put an NWSL team in there? Is there any kind of talks going on? Yeah, expansion, expansion talks are really active right now. We're actually about to start an expansion process. We've hired and are hiring an investment bank to represent us in that process. And I think the key point there from my perspective being two months in is that knowing that there's so much interest in the marketplace and in the industry right now to really run a proper process where we make sure that we're making the best possible business decision for the league, not based on who knows who or what conversations have been had historically. And we're really going to hold ourselves accountable to running the analysis through three filters, which is the market, the venue, and the ownership. And those are the three priorities that we'll be looking at as we decide where the next NWSL teams will be. How difficult is it for you just being new, kind of coming in? Uh, maybe there were other processes that were further along before you came in and then taking those over and kind of reevaluating how kind of difficult and challenging is that to kind of have to have a new you know, pair of eyes on, on those processes? Um, it's actually been less challenging than I thought it would be. I was very aware of the fact that I stepped onto a moving bus, particularly since the season had already started when I was joining. And so I wasn't sure the degree to which I could influence real-time business decisions, knowing that some of these decisions have been made weeks, months, sometimes years in advance. But in fact, this league, as it should be for a challenger property, is very nimble. And the board and the league office and our teams have really embraced my ability to infuse new ideas into how we operate, even in real time. Most of what I hope to effectuate will be in seasons to come because there's only so much you could do in real time. But there have been opportunities for me to really lay my eyes on strategies that have already been developed. And I think what the league has done over the last six to eight months have really placed the foundation and created the groundwork that have really helped me to be able to build from there. And I'm fortunate that I was walking into really what has been now a stabilized business model. Unfortunately, Orlando has a coaching situation. What can you tell us about that? And where does the league stand on that? And when might we hear something? Yeah, well, of course, with the backdrop of what happened in the fall, there's nothing more important than the health and safety of our players. I think I was hired to be the commissioner based in part on my background, which is really that I'm a labor and employment lawyer by training and have instituted and effectuated policies that relate to work environments and creating safe and healthy work environments for all employees. And so we're working really hard at the macro level. And I understand some of the 
challenges here in Orlando that relate to that. We're working as quickly as we can to do this the right way, to do it in partnership with our Players Association and make sure that we make the right decisions on behalf of the league and the players and the Players Association. Where decisions come? They will be. I, I can't commit to a timeline, but they certainly will be, and we certainly understand and appreciate the urgency. Back in April, you know, there was a, a lot of hype you know, into this. There still is, but a lot has changed within the club uh, in terms of Amanda and Sydney leaving. Um, what kind of vibe around the club have you kind of gotten uh, just over the last couple months in preparation for this? And uh, how do you feel that the team stands uh, right now just in terms of, uh, you know, the, the club as a whole? Yeah, you know, I think... Listen, there's been a lot of change. I think everybody knows that. We're working through a challenging time, but I would tell you that our team and our players are laser focused on playing soccer to the best of their abilities. Uh, we communicate with them often. Uh, and I think in times like this, just being open and transparent as much as we can, working with our partners at the league has been on the forefront of our minds. So um, having my daughters and my wife and some other friends greet the team coming off the bus tonight and seeing, seeing all those faces and uh, high fives, so they're, they're ready to go. So they're focused on soccer. Uh, we're going to do everything we can on the business side to work with our general manager, making the soccer decisions as well as the league and everybody else involved to continue to make sure we have the best team going forward. I want to talk about, um, I was obviously I asked uh, the commissioner this as well, but talk about the adaptability that you've seen, especially especially with everything that's been going on yeah. with the Pride, but also with what you've seen here for, for Soccer Fest and seeing it come together. It, I mean, it's been amazing. I remember first, <clears throat> excuse me, it was back in January. I probably was on the job for a couple of weeks when I got the first call about potentially participating in this event. So fast forward to now where we are. And at the time, I was like, well, that sounds cool. You know, pipe dream, pretty grandiose. I don't know, if, can we actually pull that off? So uh, I mentioned all the partners that were involved in the stakeholders in pulling this off. And it really wouldn't have worked without everybody's uh, input and help, quite frankly, because there's a lot of times, as the commissioner said, where you know, if you're going to be a challenger brand, you're going to be risk-taking and innovate, you have to do things like this. And for us is the pride to be able to grow our fan base, uh, to be able to you know, stretch outside of Orlando and introduce ourselves to new, uh, new people, new fans, people that have never taken in a game before. Uh, couldn't be more excited about that. And to, to your point about uh, adaptability, I mean, that's, that's what these athletes do. They're the best athletes in the world for a reason. They face adversity and, and they're adaptable their entire lives. So us as a front office, we try to follow their lead, quite frankly. You, you mentioned you. the team has, has faced adversity. How do you how do you weather this storm? Keep the morale up and maybe yeah. you know um, push the league a little bit. It's been yeah. a while. Push the league a little bit to get a decision. Yeah. Move forward. With. Listen, I I in my humble opinion, we've weathered the storm. The, this team has been rock solid throughout everything that's going on. Anytime there's changes to our roster, all of us, all of us have seen this in professional sports, turnover in rosters as you're rebuilding and doing those things. Uh, and, and the athletes understand that that happens, right? So we're working really hard with our general manager, our ownership team to make sure they have the resources during this transfer window and going forward to go out and acquire new players, uh, build with the, the great team that we already have, some really talented women in that locker room and build around that. So we're going to continue to do that, continue to give them the resources to do that. We just had a great signing on Friday with a new international player we're really excited about, but there'll be more to come. So I'm very confident uh, with our coaching staff, all of our coaching staff, as we work through uh, this entire process with the league, that we are going to come through this an even better franchise than we were prior. Jerry, what, for, for what, you personally, it, it, you're kind of in the same boat as Jessica. You just started this year yeah. and you've kind of felt your way around yeah. through things. Um, you know, I've seen you at... at have a presence at practices and show up and talk to players and how have you kind of found that that 
uh, integration with, yeah. with this team and, and kind of getting your feet wet within NWSL and, and MLS? It's really been threefold for me. So to be able to right away embrace the team and get to know folks, even though you know I don't oversee the soccer operations, I oversee business, but to be close to that and have those connections, maybe it's the old former washed up athlete to me that you just feel like you connect with people. And we have such an amazing group of, uh, of women. I, I just love being around them and their energy. Uh, the second part being our front office, our staff, I've been lucky. I've been blessed to do this for 20 some odd years in my career, and I've never been around a harder working group of people um, to handle everything we have with our three clubs, a stadium year round, all those things and do it with as much grace as they do. It's unbelievable. And then third, our fan base. Um, you know, the Orlando Pride has some of the most loyal fans in the world. Just look at Twitter. We interact together. We go hang out with our supporter groups, the Black Swans and our season ticket members. So when you combine all three of those things, for me, that's a recipe for success. And that's what we're laser focused on doing moving forward. What do, what do you want to see on the next six months? Next six months for me. So on the business side, it's continue to grow our brand, continue to be a challenger brand and really be innovative. Right. Do things like we're doing today. Uh, continue to grow attendance, continue to grow our partnership portfolio. Uh, number two, support our club. Everything we can do from a resource standpoint on the business side to give our general manager and our coaches everything they need to be successful, that's what we're going to be laser focused on. So you want to mention attendance and NWSL. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, weekly they have like a hundred thousands of viewers, yeah. but the stadiums doesn't reflect that. It's something that is in your agenda to bring more people to the stadium to support Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing this. We want to expose our brand and the game, the women's game, to more people that have never seen it before. So when you can take an event like this and marry it up with all the fun activities that are going on for families. Uh, my daughter's out fishing right now. Two of my other daughters are with my wife watching Chance the Rapper. You have the music, you have the soccer, you have all these things going on. That was one of the things that really attracted us to this event and being a part of it. So we need to do more of that. But back in Orlando, make no buts about it. We are laser focused on continuing to grow our marketing, our ticket sales, our suite sales, and our corporate partnerships. So we do need to be better there. And that's part of our commitment to the team is providing those resources to do that. Jared, kind of going off of that with the fans, how important is it to have that dialogue with them, especially with everything that's gone on the last couple months to, to make sure that they know that they are uh, supported and that there's is still, you know. Extremely, extremely important. And quite frankly, and I'll take the lead as the organization, we probably haven't been as communicative yet as we wanted to. Uh, we, a lot of things going on, middle of multiple seasons, but you're going to see us being more out front with our fans, giving them more access. We have some season ticket member uh, virtual town halls that will take place soon. Uh, we had some communication with uh, some of our supporter groups, uh, our supporter groups uh, the other night, and just dialogue, just having conversation, right? So, you know, me taking to Twitter, making sure people understand that our organization and, and our, our ownership group love the pride. They're not going anywhere. This is our team. They're staying in Orlando. And there's no questions about that. You know, Twitter and social media can sometimes be a, a dark space. Uh, and again, I just come from the world. Let's just be open and transparent and talk about what we're doing and how we're trying to build uh, the project that we have in front of us. You talked about building the brand, building the fan base. What are some of the additional ways that, um, that you've been here a bit yeah. that the front offices, especially from the business side, is looking yeah. to build that? So for the pride specifically, I think one of the best ways we'll do that is having more dedicated resources. You know, the commissioner talked a little bit about shared resources with clubs that have multiple teams. We've done that. We're, we will continue to do that, but we're also uh, layering in now additional staff dedicated to the pride for ticket sales, marketing partnerships, looking at different ways that we can do that just to be more laser focused and intentional about our pride team. So that's one. Number two, continuing to do great work in the community. 
you know, we're fortunate that we live in one of the most diverse, incredible cultures and, and cities in the world in Orlando and the surrounding area. Uh, and our team is amazing. They want to be out in the community. They will do that every single time we ask. So our charge as a business group is to give them opportunities to do that. And then third, I think, is connecting with kind of the, the next the next generation of fans. We have the hardcore women's soccer fans in Orlando and Florida. We have those fans. And now our job is to continue to embrace them, but also grow that. Bring more casual fans in, get people introduced that have never been to a pride match before, maybe never seen a professional soccer match at all. So I think those three things are really our main focus right now. Really proud to say year over year, we have invested in the team. We're continuing to do that. I think we grew our uh, budget roughly 40% in terms of investing in the team year over year uh, with the Will family when they bought the team and took over. So I, I couldn't be more bullish on us as a brand right now for the pride. Uh, looking forward to to the future. Especially in women's soccer, people kind of, uh, are more attracted to names, mm. the big names, U.S. women's national yeah. players. When you're going through a rebuild like this, can you talk a little bit about the challenge of building a brand and building a fan base when you don't really have those big names? Yeah, I think all of us as fans, right? We're all fans and have been in our in our lives. You get attached to certain players. And so whenever there's changes, that's always hard. But I think at the end of the day, we have to really remember that it's all about you know, that, that logo on the front of the jersey, not necessarily the name on the back. And to build a championship culture and team, that's what you really need to be focused on. I've been fortunate to work in professional football, baseball, hockey, and now professional soccer. And I think it's true across all of those to have a real ongoing relationship with your fans year in and year out, right? Players sometimes come, players sometimes go for whatever reasons it is, but that pride logo is always there, right? And so we need to be focused on that process and giving the resources to our soccer operations team to be able to do that, to continue to be able to build a championship caliber product. Okay, and uh, that was the interviews with Jessica Berman and Jared Dillon. Appreciate both of them taking the time out on Sunday to chat with media and, well, me, because I asked a lot of the questions. <laughs> Anyways, gentlemen, it is that time of the show where we talk about our weird news kyle i know you've got yours already ready to go because you always do and it's always good so i'll let you go first uh it's not entirely weird but i just really like it and it's it's very personal to, to all to most of us at the show at least uh who all reside in in the area <laughs> or the city of <laughs> the city of orlando had to apologize for an email that went out saying a lot of people probably don't want to celebrate our nation right now and we can't blame them. Mm -hmm. uh, it pissed off the governor and his lackeys, but it's also a pretty accurate email. They just sent it about the the Fourth of July, and it was a statement that they made. And the city was like, "Oh, we, you know, we regret the negative impact uh, of the statement, which is code for we regret that our uh, piss baby governor got mad and is probably threatening behind the scenes. I'm surprised he didn't threaten publicly, but." probably threatening them but man it was top tier top tier post shout out city of orlando but yeah, it's definitely definitely not a normal thing you see from a local government not at all all right gavin yeah so this one doesn't really play on the audio medium but um this one's just for us mostly have you guys I'm it's been going around the the video of this nigerian official who faked passing out at like a um like a court hearing for having stolen oh my God, like so millions good. of dollars so good 
Top tier. He's sitting here at the table, and then he just kind of leans forward and is just, like, pretending like he just fainted on the table. Mm. And then you could see him, like, open his eyes, and he's just kind of, like, sitting there waiting to see what happens. And then everyone just starts coming up to him and, like, grabbing him. Like, some dude starts oh, ripping his mouth open. I don't know what he was trying to do with this, but here I right. Make it. sure he didn't choke on his... Uh... No, no, it's, it's the most half-assed fake fainting, and, like, everybody there knows it, which is what makes it even funnier. Lord. Yeah. I just posted it in the thing here for you, Austin. Yep. So Nigerian official fake fainted after he was being grilled. Yeah, he's just got his eyes open. <laughs> Saying like nothing about it is convincing. Like I'm sure they had fake fainting written as the headline within two seconds of seeing that video. <laughs> like I respect the effort, a for effort, but an F for execution. <laughs> If you're gonna commit to the bit, you gotta have like some like um, chloroform with you and just go all out. <laughs> I don't know about That's that. Sure. I do not know about that. For, but for, yeah, for himself, I'm not saying chloroform other people. Let's be very clear on that. Yeah. My weird news today, kind of in the same vein as as Gavin's actually. Um, I was gonna go with a more political weird news but i kind of decided against it because as as we know on this show no politics we 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 have kind of i think we we, we've kind of broken that a couple times yeah yeah yeah. so there was a man in court on marijuana charges who was arrested while driving away from the court in an suv full of marijuana (laughs) legendary yeah uh a 43 year old uh, biddleford maine native started the day and ended the day in a court. Uh, 70 pounds of marijuana with one bag and 20 pounds of marijuana in another bag. He was also he was also arrested on charges of driving without a license. Yeah, that's where they get you. You gotta have one of those. Yeah. Uh, so he was driving without a license. Arre- he was originally arrested for driving without a license and marijuana possession over one pound. He was released... On his own reco- uh, reco- uh, recognizance, uh, I guess, how do you pronounce that? Recognizance. Recognizance, thank you. Words. Uh, with one condition. You can't drive until you properly licensed again. And then immediately, he was caught in the parking lot, not only driving without a license, but transporting 70 pounds of marijuana in one bag and 20 pounds of marijuana extract in another. Nothing but respect for my president. Yeah, uh, and by the way, just to tie this into Florida, man, the SUV had Florida registration plates. Well, I mean, that was kind of assumed, right? right. Yeah, but in in Maine, yeah. If you're a Florida man wanting to sell some drugs, you're gonna go to a place. He's like not Maine a Florida man. man, though. He's a Maine man. Oh, he may be. He is the Maine man. That's for sure. <laughs> I was gonna say he's gonna be my Maine man pretty soon. <laughs> But anyways, he was arrested and charged in Massachusetts. So that's all I've got for weird news. It is now time for Where Are They Now? Gentlemen, it is time to ask, where are they now for Kyle Laren? Remember him? Who? Yeah. Actually, no. Kyle Laren, who was the 2015 number one overall draft pick by Orlando City. Went on to score. Oh, Kyle with a C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right, 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 that guy. Yeah, 43 goals in 87 games for the Lions. Transferred to uh, Besiktas in a very uh, overplayed transfer. 
Uh, ended up scoring 31 goals in 83 games for Besiktas. And now, since he is in the news, as of yesterday, or July 4th, he signed a three-year deal with Club Bruges in the Belgian Pro League. That's not bad. It's a pretty good team to go to. It is. It is. I think that he would. Uh, he'll have some success out there. You know, three-year deal through 2025. Um, again, he had some success in in uh, Turkey. He's found some success with the Canadian national team now. Uh, he was at one point getting interest from Everton, who do need a striker, uh, but he was more closely connected to Tigres in Mexico and Olympiacos in Greece. Ended up joining the Belgian side on a free transfer after his deal expired at the end of June. So that is where they now for former number one overall draft pick for Orlando City, Kyle Laren. And now it is time to end the show with weird news, or sorry, we did the weird news, red cards or playing advantage, whichever one you would like to do. So, Gavin, I will start with you since I started with Kyle last time. What is your red card slash playing advantage? I'm giving a straight red this week to the Tribune Publishing Company. If you do know them or you don't know them, they are the owners of the Orlando Sentinel, the hometown newspaper of record. And one of the many dying publications um, in this country for news um, outlets, unfortunately. And I'm giving them this straight ride card because, um, unbeknownst to most people um, at about this point, they no longer cover soccer. Um, unfortunately, um, they've they've quit. They've, they're done. They've axed their last people um, as of July 1st. This paper that once spent so much uh, great time and investment in covering Orlando City from the very first days in MLS for with Paul and Alicia and then Jordan and um, Julia and then most recently our good friends and colleagues here Austin and Mike Gramajo. It sucks, you know these um, these investment firms these they they come in and they strip every dollar that they can out of these to make as much money in the end, regardless of whether or not they are destroying the nation by getting rid of all this local journalism and, and whatnot. And here we have now in Orlando have lost the one major outlet that covers the team full time. So this is a disappointing day and, you know, not, you know, in, in a way it does advantage these smaller, you know, independent blogs and podcasts like us, but it shouldn't have to be that way. But, you know, here we are. Yeah. How do you think I feel? I was getting paid. Yeah, no. And, you know, it sucks. And it it, it sucks to see for, for people like you, you know, you've put in so much work to get this opportunity. And through no fault of your own, it send it. You know, it's it's a shame. It's, I mean, especially knowing how much and, you know, all most of the people that were there to commit to soccer. And it's such a rare thing in this country to see a major outlet like this commit to soccer the way that the Sentinel did for those first few years um, to, to no longer exist like this. And, you know, to think about the, the, the soccer coverage for Orlando as a whole, you know, they used to have Simon Vaness writing pretty much practically full-time covering Orlando city at MLS soccer. And you had Paul there. And like I said, you know, all these guys, and now we've we've got none of that, you know, and we still, you know, Austin is still out there and the mainland still covers and, you know, but 
it's a big loss for um, for soccer coverage in the country as a whole to not have a paper like this dedicating that kind of coverage to both the NWSL and MLS. Can't really uh, expound on that too much as of right now, but uh, I will at some point. Oh, we're gonna have the exclusive interview with Austin David <laughs> with the 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 one on one sit down, the spilling of the tea on what went on. It's it's, it's not as on the scene. It's no, not no, no. As we're gonna. You're not. You're not selling podcast listens here, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, people. Yeah, we yeah. want people to tune in. Come and we're gonna have like uh, auto-tuned, deep voices, black, <laughs> black, uh, blacked out screens, talking about off-the-record stuff. It's like you know who it is, but just for yeah, I'm actually, I, I, I'm actually gonna gonna be the one who talks for all of the the people we're interviewing, so no one will ever know who they are. <laughs> there you go. All right, Kyle. What's your man? Uh, how do I follow card? up? How do I follow up such a sincere and and genuine by going the opposite straight way? red? I know how by being equally sincere oh. and genuine. <laughs> Just a straight red and a three game suspension to oh. anyone who does not enjoy Taika Waititi. Uh, the reviews for today, we're recording this on Tuesday, the reviews for Thor Love and Thunder started dropping. And there was a pretty significant number of, of people that I have interacted with or I have seen who have said, you know, I was a fan of his earlier work, but I'm not really a fan anymore. Hmm. And I despise that kind of hipster-like mentality in general of I liked them before they went corporate or sold out because I don't think Taika Waititi has done either of those two things. I think he has is very... I Now, I think working with Disney, like it inherently holds you back a little bit, same as it did with Sam Raimi with Doctor Strange, but I think Thor Ragnarok's probably one of... it's In terms of the non- high stakes movies so not looking at like endgame infinity war it's probably my favorite but the what we do in the shadows tv show which he writes and, and helps produce and i'm not sure how much he, he's directed for it but i know he's obviously heavily involved in that it's one of the best television shows out there arguably even better than the Same, movie the which is a legendary starts, movie uh, what is it this week next week it's the 12th a week from today okay i'm excited for that so you know and he has reportedly began writing the script for his new Star Wars movie, too. Uh, yes, if you count writing as opening up the laptop, staring at it for six hours, and shutting it, <laughs> having done nothing, which is, as those of us who have written know, 100% writing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 I'm it's sure all part of the creative already process, has not, guys. I'm sure whatever he has already not put down on paper is infinity times better than everything that J.J. Abrams did to Star Wars already. That I'm confident in. Yeah. I would say that's uh, fairly accurate. Yeah, people people who don't enjoy Taika Waititi are just absolute sickos. And also, a good way. just like, mm-hmm. it's one movie. If you don't enjoy one movie, that doesn't mean you no, don't these, enjoy no, him. No, no, these people, these people are just like, oh, I just don't enjoy anything that he's yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, lately. straight up red like, card. W- which, which I, yeah, if you don't enjoy, if there's like a movie that you don't love, that's okay, that's fair. But to say that you just don't, you know, oh, he's not the same. He sold out. He's not making good stuff anymore. Man, like they, they said they didn't like someone said they didn't like Jojo Rabbit. And that's that's what really set me off 
and my my feelings of oof you need help because that movie is an absolute banger and only Taika Waititi could make get away with making a movie in was it 2020 that it came out 2019 I don't know some point in the last three years which has also wasn't been that the movie about years. the kid who's yeah, like yeah. friends with hitler yeah oh it's about a kid whose imaginary friend is hitler like only taika waititi could right. could <laughs> make a movie like that and pull it off in a way that it it works yeah i don't remember seeing bad reviews about that movie no Didn't it, it win like some oscars or something uh, i don't know if it won anything i know it got nominated it for a lot of nominated? awards but it, it was a yeah. very very well-told story and there's this there's this kid who's you know seemingly like like most german kids in the area growing up in that time in the era growing up in like oh we love hitler blah 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 and so the kid has the has hitler as an imaginary friend um but turns out his mother was helping hide uh a, a jewish girl in their house and so you're watching the kid um and his his you know, realizing that I mean, you're watching you're watching the the rise of the Nazis and the the power of the Nazis through the eyes of a kid who was who was brainwashed to think all those things, and watching the revelation of that kid realizing that it was all really, 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 really fucked up, and it was just done. It was done very well. It's a great movie. It's, it's one that's kind of difficult to rewatch, but mostly because of the the subject material, but very good movie. Can confirm. I, I have enjoyed that movie quite a bit. All right. Um, my red card slash playing advantage. Well, I mean, I don't know. You guys, you guys kind of, well, Gavin at least kind of took one that I was going to go with. Um, oh, you don't have anything else that I would say. I, I, I didn't know if you were going to be willing to go out. I, I I was in the I, way that I was yeah, yeah. looking to. You're much more cautious than I am with that stuff, right? Um. So yeah, I think I'll just kind of leave it at that. Let's give give it the old what he said. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> just throw throw a retweet and a fave my way if you could. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that is it for uh for us here. At the Orlando Soccer Show. Hope you enjoyed the award nominated yeah, yeah, of course. Orlando of course. Soccer how, Show. How and make I sure forget. to go vote for us. Yep. Vote.orlandoweekly.com. Yeah, go vote. The Orlando Soccer Show. If you don't, we will rescue Brent from ISIS. But what then is it the local ISIS interest category yeah. in the podcast section. Yeah, it's right it's right underneath best only fans. I know you're gonna be tempted. I know you're all gonna be tempted to vote for Tom and Dan, but please don't vote for Tom and Dan. Okay, they've we need enough, at least they have, a top en- they have enough fans. They, yeah. they, they've got enough. That's what I'm saying. They've got enough. Spread the word. They've had their time with Orlando City. It's our time. <laughs> all right. It's our time. It's our time. <laughs> it's our time now. All right. That's it. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. We'll be back next week. Take care. All right. Bye bye.
you're dirty brown water trash. And you're always going to be dirty brown water trash. <laughs>